Hey friends, welcome to episode 139 of Motherhood in Hollywood. My guest today is the creator and founder of Her Universe. Her name is Ashley Eckstein and I cannot wait for you guys to hear her incredibly inspirational story and she's going to talk about her new book. But first, I want to tell you guys, Motherhood in Hollywood is sponsored by Direct Smile Club. If you are even thinking about even the littlest way, maybe changing your smile or fixing it if you've got some spacing or gaps, go right now to smiledirectclub.com, enter the code Heather Smiles, and you'll get 50% off an at-home impression kit. That means you do everything from home. Or if you live in a city where they have one of their smile shops, you get a free smile scan. They'll take a look at your teeth, tell you how long it would take to fix them, and it's totally free to get that scan. So go right now, smiledirectclub.com, enter the code Heather Smiles, because I do. I smile a lot. All right, you guys, here we go. Come on, mama. Grab your popcorn and goobers. It's time for Motherhood in Hollywood with your host, Heather Brooker. This is a crude prude's perspective on being a full-time mom in showbiz. She's not a perfect mom, but she can play one on TV. Hold on to your butts. Here's Heather. Hi, friends. I hope you're having a great week so far. Mine uh, has been pretty phantasmagoric. I don't remember if I said in the last episode or not that I my podcast was actually named an official Webby Award honoree out of 13,000 entries. Uh, mine was chosen in the top, I think it was like five or six. And I'm just so excited about that. <laughs> the reason I bring it up is because this week I've been, I've been, thinking a lot about um, my accomplishments and things that I've done uh, in motherhood in Hollywood, but also just like in life, Um, because motherhood in Hollywood is such a small part of who I am and what I do, although sometimes it feels like it's taking over and it's quite a bit more than a small part. Um, But I, I got frustrated because there's some publicist, some publicity people who, um, I don't know how to delicately or politely say this, but they kind of treat me like garbage. <laughs> they, they, they act like, um, how do I want to say this? They're very diminutive. Um, I, first of all, I hate the term mommy blogger. I'm not a mommy blogger. Um, I don't really consider myself to be in that category. I don't, I, there's no shame in that. I don't think it's a bad thing necessarily, but for me, it feels very diminutive and diminishes who I am and what I do because I'm an Emmy award-winning journalist. I'm an accomplished actress and, um, I'm a news producer. So it's like when you call me a mommy blogger, it just feels like it's all looking at you little mommy blogger. So I constantly feel like I'm pushing back against that to go, no, like I'm a legitimate press person, media person. I can cover your things for my website, my podcast, my TV station that I report for. And, you know, everybody wants to put you in a box and a label you, whether you're an actress, you're labeled the funny fat friend or the wacky neighbor, you know, or whether you're a mommy blogger, you can't ever sort of cross those boundaries. So I was feeling very frustrated. And I was like, you know what, I need to just not only remind other people, but remind myself that I'm an established, successful career woman. I have built a business out of motherhood in Hollywood. For those of you who've been following along for the past 140 episodes, you know, this started off real rough in the beginning. (laughs) Some of my earlier episodes were a little like the, I hadn't quite figured out the audio yet. My website was horrible. I hadn't figured out how to do WordPress and coding yet. And I've taught myself how to do all of those things. And in addition to that, um, how to market myself and how to get social media following. And so I've built something here that, you know, I can be proud of and I am proud of. So just sort of feeling like I needed to take a minute and shout out my, my, um, accomplishments. Cause I think sometimes as women and as people, we, we forget to say, Hey, I'm really good at this or X, Y, Z, or I have accomplished a lot in my life. Cause you start looking at other people like, Oh, well, so-and-so has this. And why do they get invited to this event? And why did this person get cast in this part? Or, you know, whatever the case may be, whatever your career might be, you start to kind of second guess yourself when you start comparing. And, and I think it's really important to every once in a while, just stop and go, you know what? I am freaking killing it. Like I'm doing a good job with my life. I'm, you know, I am 
taking what what I've been given and I'm doing the best I can with it and succeeding and you know, whatever large or small way that might be. So I really encourage everybody this week to just take a minute and do that because it's super important to remind ourselves that we are, um, we're rock stars and there's a difference between confidence and arrogance. There's a difference. So I ride the line. I very much, very much teeter on that line between confidence and arrogance. If you follow my social media at all, you'll know what I mean. Um, but anyway, uh, speaking of social media, take a minute, follow me if you don't already at Heather Brooker on Twitter and at motherhood in Hollywood on Facebook and Instagram and a little bit of house cleaning here. If you guys could make sure you're subscribed to my podcast because I recently switched, um, podcast servers and a lot of my episodes got lost in the transition. So I'm having to go back through and one by one re-upload them and make sure they're all, um, exactly where they need to be. And also, so just take a second, make sure you're subscribed to my show. That way you won't miss any of the great episodes that I have coming up. And, um, this week, you guys, I'm headed off to mom 2.0, the mom Two summit. Um, I've heard, you know, some mixed things about this summit. So I'm really curious to check it out. It's just a few minutes from my house. So I thought, why not? I'm going to go. And there's going to be some really amazing women there from all over the world coming. I know there's people coming from Canada, there's people coming from Mexico and all over the U S. So they're going to be coming here to Pasadena, to the mom Two summit to uh, mingle with brands and each other and hear powerful women speaking. And uh, yeah, if you are coming, let me know, tag me, hit me up, buy me a drink, and I'll tell you some of the bad things I've heard. (laughs) And we can talk about the good things too. Um, But anyway, all right. So that's happening this week. Oh my gosh, I saw Avengers Infinity War. It was so good. It was so good. I, that's going to have to be like a whole nother podcast. Maybe I'll have Chris Brooker come back on and we'll talk about just Avenger infinity war because it was that amazing. I also saw Tully. You guys have to go see it. I'm going to post something up on my website about it. Um, really powerful film that addresses some postpartum depression issues that I think, and not in like a direct way, but in like a beautifully subtle way that a lot of moms and women will relate to. So you definitely want to watch Tully. Um, and what else? Uh, yeah, I'll be posting that stuff up on my website. I'm going to get better about posting on my website. I'm sorry. I'm a slacker. I know I just have too much to do. Uh, and speaking of too much to do my guest today, you guys, her name is Ashley Eckstein. I met her initially at the Disney social media mom conference in Orlando. Actually, she was on the cruise, the cruise part of the conference, powerful speaker, incredibly inspiring story. She says she has Disney in her DNA and she is truly living out. I believe what her purpose in life was to do. And she has created a line of clothing and accessories for women who are fangirls, who are fans of Star Wars, who are fans of the Avengers and DC Comics, um, so that they have stylish options to wear and express their fanship uh, in the same way that men do. But, uh, well, but like more options for women. And she has also written a new book. It's called Her Universe. And I cannot wait for you guys to hear her talk a little bit more about that and her story. So here is my interview with Her Universe founder, Ashley Eckstein. I have known about you and about Her Universe universe for some time because I am also a a fangirl, you know, um, I enjoy sci-fi, I love Marvel movies, I love all of that stuff, but also... um, I heard you speak at the Disney Social Media Moms Conference this year on the cruise, and I made a mental note. I was like, I want to reach out and see if she'll come on my show to talk about her book. <laughs> oh, well, thank you for having me. I'm, I'm so excited to talk about it. And and yeah, I had a blast on the Social Media Moms cruise, and um, I really appreciate everyone being so kind and, and welcoming. That was such a fun experience. That was my first Disney cruise, my first social media mom conference. And it was just like a whirlwind of wonderful things. Um, And in my experience with Disney, that's sort of par for the course. They really love to like make you feel special and and bring that Disney magic. Um, And I want to talk a little bit about your love 
of Disney because your book, it's your universe. You have the power to make it happen is sprinkled with lovely Disney quotes and Disney themes and, and all of that, um, Disney magic. I would love to know where that comes from. Tell me a little bit about your love for Disney. (laughs) <laughs> well, I joke that Disney is actually in my DNA. Um, <laughs> I think if they tested it, there would be a strand of Disney in my DNA. Um, but but really, you know, it goes way back to my parents. Um, my parents actually went on their honeymoon to Disney World. And they actually made a wish on their honeymoon. Um, they made a wish that my dad would uh, get a job for Disney World and that they would move to Orlando and raise a family. Um, you know, they would raise a family kind of growing up Disney. And, uh, you know, sure enough, within, let's see, within about three years of them making that wish, uh, it actually came true. Um, my dad, uh, became a meat and seafood buyer for, uh, the Walt Disney world resort. And when I was 18 months old, we moved to Orlando, Florida. And so I joke that I grew up Disney, literally Mm -hmm. main street USA, you know, was practically like my backyard and (laughs) we were all the time. Um, what do you think it is about Disney that that sort of captures people in that way? Because like I, you know, we live about 45 minutes from Disneyland um, and we have annual passes and we go a lot. And there's, you know, I went before I was a mom, but I definitely love going now with my daughter as well. There's just something really special about Disney and I can't ever quite put my finger on it when I try to describe it to people because we've been to other theme parks you know it's not like it's the theme park thing like with rides and all that there's just something about what they do and I would love to hear from you being seeing as how you have Disney in your DNA (laughs) what (laughs) what you think it is what is that Disney uh what is it Disney does that's so different well you know uh, there is such a thing as Disney magic Mm -hmm. Uh, you know I I believe there is there's truly a thing um you know that they call Disney magic. And, and part of that I think is just, um, is just hope, you know, at Disney world, you know, you walk through the gates and it's like, you're able to just escape reality and you walk into a place that is just, um, happy and hopeful and, uh, full of magic, full of, of pixie dust everywhere. And I think it's, you know, people can forget, get, um, you know, kind of what's going on around them and let their guard down and, and, you know, be in Walt Disney's dream. And, and the the amazing thing about it is, is, um, you know, Walt Disney had a dream and that was, that was, you know, Disneyland and Disney world. And he made it happen. Like, you know, this isn't just some fantasy world. Walt Disney world had a vision. I mean, Walt Disney had a vision and he had a dream and he made it happen. And so to actually be in a tangible place, which is which was his dream that that he made happen and that it's tangible and we're standing in it and it's it's real and we can see it and touch it and feel it. And to see that if he did it, then then we can do it too. Then anything is possible. I I think kind of being in that world, being in Disney World or being in Disneyland makes you just believe that um the impossible really is possible. And, um, and I I think it's just, you know, it's just a a place of hope for me that I I walk into Disney world and I immediately have hope that, um, that, you know, uh, again, I I apologize. I'm repeating myself, but, but the, it's very exciting. I totally understand. (laughs) Um, I would love to know since you you grew up in uh, Central Florida, like by Disney World. Um, and where do you live now? In L.A.? In the L.A. area? Um, it's actually not smart. Uh, I, <laughs> I, live in, I live in Florida, but work in California. Uh, <laughs> so my, um, my husband is actually from uh, the Orlando area as well. So um, I did uh, move away from Orlando after I graduated from high school. Uh, my dad got a new job um, 
you know, in Memphis, Tennessee, and um, I moved to LA for acting. And then um, I happened to meet my husband out in California. And it turns out that we both grew up in Orlando and, and we grew up 35 minutes apart. Um, I actually talk about how we met in the book. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, once we got married, you know, to, to us, Orlando is home. And, and my family has since moved has since moved back to Orlando. His family still lives there. So we decided to, to move home and, and Orlando is just home for both of us. But, um, when I started her universe, I, uh, kind of founded it in California and, um, uh, it's actually now owned by hot topic Inc. And so my offices are actually out of the hot topic offices and I still run the company, but, um, out of, out of California. So I, I joke that I'm wherever you need me to be. <laughs> I use uh, a plane like I use a car. <laughs> I just uh, kind of go go wherever. So if you have to choose, do you pick Disney World or Disneyland? Ooh. <laughs> you know, I, I, I choose Disney World only because that was, you know, the park I grew up in. Sure. And so many of my childhood and memories. And it's probably changed like so that. much. It Well, it has. It has. Um, especially you know, oh goodness. I mean, it's like every couple months there's a Something new, opening. new. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Toy Story Land is about to open mm -hmm. in Orlando. Um, but it, it's, it's nice because growing up there, um, I got to experience so many firsts. I mean, I was there when, um, MGM studios, which is now Hollywood studios opened, um, you know, when so many of the hotels opened and, you know, I got to experience so many new things. So it's, I, I have so many fond memories of the Walt Disney world resort as, as it, you know, as it, as it grew over the years. Um, do you have a favorite part inside the Walt Disney world resort? And he's, special place that you just have to go to every time? Um, I personally love Epcot. That's mm -hmm. a, and my, my favorite. That's our favorite too. We like, <laughs> we, we, when we were there, we totally did the drinking around the world. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Cause I've seen so many people over the years doing that. And I was like, I want to do that too. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I have a massive sweet tooth. So my thing is, um, the, uh, my thing is dessert around the world. Oh, that's funny. And so I either get, um, you know, different candy or mm -hmm. dessert or ice cream or caramel apples or all of the things <laughs> all around the world. But my mom, um, is a teacher. Um, she's since uh, retired, but she grew up, she's a elementary school and middle school teacher. And so she always turned Epcot or all the parks actually, but, um, she would turn Epcot into a kind of world history and a geography lesson. So, um, I had, uh, three other siblings, but she would, she would make it into an individual day, like a, a mommy and me day. And she would, um, we would get the passport, uh, cause at Epcot, you can get a passport around the world and we would go to each country and we would stamp, we would get our passport stamped and she would turn it into an educational afternoon. So we would learn something about that country, um, whenever she would take us something new and we would get to try the different foods or drinks or candies and um those I just I look back on those days with just such fond memories I love that I really hope my daughter feels that way too about our trips to to Disneyland because I always have so much fun taking her and now she's she just turned five so she's definitely can ride more rides and her the world is opening up a little bit for her there so I love that um exciting time too as they get older and yeah. they can <laughs> I want to switch gears a little bit and talk about um, going from your love of Disney to your love of fangirling and sci-fi and, you know, Avengers and um, all of the wonderfully nerdy, geek-tastic things um, that are out there. I would love to know, were you always this way or is this something you kind of grew into? I've, I've definitely, I've always been a fangirl, um, but I, w I would call myself more of a casual fangirl growing up. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, a star Wars, for example, I, I mean, I've been a star Wars fan ever since I was a toddler. I, I literally, you know, we had this 
glorious um, orange shag 70s carpet in our home. Oh, yes. <laughs> and, um, it made the perfect Tatooine setting where I would play Star Wars with my siblings and I would pretend to be R2-D2, you know, kind of rolling through the desert. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I also remember going to Hollywood Studios um, when the Star Tours ride opened and, you know, riding the speeder bike and getting an Ewok. And, you know, so I've, I've always been a casual fan. But um, when I became the voice of Ahsoka Tano for Star Wars, um, I started to become a hardcore fan. Like my inner fangirl that's always been been there um, just kind of. I just began to really geek out and step into the spotlight and I, I just let it all out. So, you know, <laughs> I would definitely consider myself more of a hardcore fan. I love all things Star Wars, all things Marvel. I mean, I just love it all. I want to talk about how you turned that love, that passion that you had for um, Star Wars and sci-fi and that sort of thing into a full-fledged business and what I would almost call I, I would definitely call it a movement now her universe has definitely become a movement for young girls and women to express themselves and their and their fandom for shows in uh, where they weren't and, and movies where they weren't represented very well before um I know it's I know it's a long story and I know you write about it in your book but I also want to just give my listeners a little tidbit of how that all began how did you her universe begin (laughs) what's your origin story (laughs) yeah you know it it started uh kind of selfishly with um the search for a a Star Wars t-shirt made for me Mm -hmm. um when you, know, you say I, made for me, what do you mean? Do you mean pink? Do you mean cut a certain way? Do you mean a certain style? Um, because I think sometimes when people are looking for, when when designers say, oh, we've made this for girls, they just think making something pink. Um, oh. <laughs> you know what I mean? I know, I know well, you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, and, and that's actually exactly how it started. I, I, I wanted a Star Wars t-shirt made for, you know, a, a woman's body. Yes. Uh, yeah. And I... I just went shopping one day um, because, you know, I looked at my closet and I found um, only one Star Wars T-shirt um, actually made for a girl. And um, I thought, you know what, this this won't do. You know, I was going to um, Star Wars events like San Diego Comic-Con mm-hmm. and I was going to events at Disney, you know, as an actress um, to make appearances and sign autographs. And and I wanted to I wanted Star Wars clothes to, to show off my fandom for these events. And, and I honestly thought more clothes existed for women. And so when I went shopping, I, I ended up in the men's and boys section every time. And then even when I went online to do online shopping, um, same thing. I ended up in the men's and boys section. And actually, at times, it was it was even... I, I thought very disrespectful. Um, they would actually have a women's section and then I'd go to the women's section and it was all men's clothes. Um, or one time in the women's section, I remember they put a men's watch and I'm like, okay, something is wrong <laughs> here. So I, I knew I wasn't alone because when I would go to these events, I would see women and girls everywhere. And so I started doing my research and um, I was able to get a hold of um, – the attendance for the top five sci-fi and fantasy uh, conventions around the world. And at the time, this was back in 2009, at the time, uh, 45% of all Star Wars and kind of sci-fi and fantasy fans were women and girls. Mm -hmm. And 85% of all consumer purchases were being made by women (laughs) and girls. And I thought, okay, I'm not a mathematician, but those numbers aren't adding up. And, um, but more importantly, what I found in my research is that women and girls were being bullied and being bullied terribly for being fangirls for, you know, saying that they loved Star Wars or that they loved Marvel. Um, and, and in fact, um, in several stories, that was back when message boards were really popular. Um, so many women claimed that they would pretend to be men just so that they could have a conversation. Just to get in on the discussion. Yeah. Yeah. Because the second that, you know, uh, the group of guys would find out that they were talking to a girl about star Wars, um, they would stop talking to them. And, 
And honestly, that broke my heart mm-hmm. um, because I thought, you know, this is no way to live. I, if you're a fangirl, you know that that that's that's a part of your identity. Like being a fangirl is not a trend. It's literally a part of who you are. It's mm-hmm. like, you know, it's how you it's how I actually describe myself. I say, hi, I'm Ashley Eckstein. I'm a Disney fan, a Star Wars fan. I like Italian food and cupcakes. <laughs> you know, <laughs> literally how I would describe myself. It's so- like you're describing me. <laughs> <laughs> Because I also like Italian food and cupcakes. That's funny. Oh, my gosh. Um, uh, The Napoli restaurant in Italy at Epcot has the best pizza ever. So we tried a new uh, a new restaurant at Disney Springs. Uh, It had just been open like a couple of weeks when we were there. And it was like it was like a international airport hub. I can't remember the name of it, but it was an Italian restaurant. And the whole thing was like you were in um, the boarding area to catch an international flight. And it was so beautifully done and the food was really good. So anyway, side note. Try that one. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Like it's in Disney Springs. We kind of ventured out um, one evening to to check out Disney Springs while we were there. Um, Well, I love to hear you say that because I've actually had a lot of friends as well who say, if they get bullied or they get talked down to, or they get mansplained a lot when they try to talk about sci-fi things in the sci-fi world. And, um, it's very frustrating. And that's why I say what you've done is not just create a clothing line here, but you've also created a movement for women and girls to say, Hey, uh, I have just as much of a right to be a fan here and thoughts and opinions on these shows and my money and my pocketbook back it up. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And, and going back to your question about, you know, a pink Mm t-shirt, um, that is, that actually is a huge part of our origin story because, um, you know, I was told, Oh, I, I went to Lucasfilm with my idea and I was told no twice and I wasn't told no to my idea. I was told no to how I was going about it. They Mm -hmm. said that, um, I had to start my own company and that I had to, um, I had to be a reputable company and actually apply for a license. So, um, I, what I did instead of just going away and taking no for an answer, I actually, I founded her universe and I found a manufacturing partner who could handle, um, a license from Lucasfilm. And I went back several months later and I said, okay, Lucasfilm, I I did what you told me to do. I started my own company and I have a reputable manufacturing partner, um, who can handle a license and, and we'd like to uh, uh, apply for one to make merchandise for female fans. And at that point, they were incredibly supportive and they gave me a license, but they did say that they've never been able to sell merchandise to female fans before and that, you know, they, they couldn't figure out how to make money in it. And I said, well, I think it's because you've been treating female fans as an afterthought. You know, you make 15 shirts for guys Mm -hmm. and then you make one shirt for girls in pink and it says, I heart star Wars. (laughs) Yeah. And I said, trust me, I love the color pink, but I have enough pink t-shirts in my wardrobe to last me a lifetime. I want a black t-shirt with Darth Vader on it. Like that's what I want. And I said, so I, you know, I'm not a fashion designer, but I'm going to start from a place of designing you know, t-shirts that, that I want, you know, that, that I know that I've been waiting for and I'm Mm going to ask my friends what they want. And so that's what we did. And I actually had a rule, um, in the very first line that, um, pink wasn't allowed, (laughs) that I was not going to design a single pink t-shirt because we had had enough of them. And so sure enough, I designed black. I had a brown t-shirt, a Navy t-shirt, a red t-shirt, um, I, I, I did the antithesis of pink and, um, and we were successful. Um, and we did prove that we were able to make money from it. So what happens then once you get the okay from Lucasfilm and this was before, um, Disney bought Lucasfilm, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. This was prior. Um, how excited were you when that happened or did it, did it kind of throw a wrench in your plans for like licensing and that sort of thing? Or did it kind of open up your world as far as what you could make? Um, uh, well, uh, you know, starting with a Lucasfilm license is um, really such a gift because, um, you know, Star Wars, they are they are 
you know, the best of the best, mm-hmm. even prior to Disney. Um, you know, to, so to start with a Star Wars license really opened up the door for me for several other licenses. So from there, I was able to add on and, and get other licenses such as, you know, Marvel and um, Doctor Who and Star Trek and, you know, several other things. But um, I will say, transforming, and I speak about this in the book, transforming my idea um, from an idea, just that, to a a business was was a completely different different thing that I, I have to say, you know, looking back, founding her universe was the easy part. Transforming it into a, you know, profitable business was the hardest part. And it sounds really hard. I'm not going to lie, actually. It sounds really hard. (laughs) Well, I I think my, the, the secret to it was two things. Um, you know, my husband, my husband used to play baseball and, um, when I first founded her universe, he was still playing. So I had his full support, but you know, he, he, he couldn't really be there for me and, and help day to day. Cause he was, you know, focusing on, on playing baseball at the time. Mm-hmm. So, um, but the piece of advice he gave me was the best piece of advice. He said, look, I fully support you. He goes, but surround yourself with people that are smarter than you. And he wasn't saying that I wasn't smart. He was just saying, you know, you know, figure out what you don't know you know, which for example, I didn't know the licensing world. I didn't know the first thing about it. So, you know, I found a consultant who, you know, helped me, um, learn the licensing world. You know, I I didn't know anything about manufacturing t-shirts. So I found a partner, um, you know, that was a, a, a screen printer and a, a t-shirt manufacturer. So, mm-hmm. you know, I surrounded, um, myself, you know, I had a business manager that understood budgeting. And so while it was my company and, and I had to learn all of it, I mean, I, I definitely had to be the conductor of the train that kept the train moving down the tracks, mm-hmm. but I built a team and, and I do speak about that quite a bit in the book of, uh, to, to build your team and, and find your inner circle. So I, I built my inner circle and, you know, they, they, they helped me kind of build the business, um, and, and, and have it grow from there. And, and so that was, that was kind of the first step. And then the second step, you know, I would say the biggest secret was the fans is, you know, I, I just listened to the fans and, you know, Fortunately, um, for me, this was when social media was just starting to boom. So Twitter was this brand new thing that, you know, nobody had ever heard of. (laughs) And I was able to use Twitter and then Facebook and then Instagram to get directly to the audience Mm -hmm. and get direct feedback. And and that's what I did. I I asked, you know, I asked the fans for their help and, um, you know, and, and kind of, I, I use the fans as, as, as my, as my, um, momentum and like help spread the word and advertising. Yeah. And, and actually last thing that, you know, going back to, um, the bullying and what really kind of propelled me to start the business is, you know, from day one, I, I said, her universe is two things. It's a merchandise line, but more importantly, it's a community. And I wanted to create a safe place where female fans could step into the spotlight and be celebrated and, and be themselves. And so I said to I said to the fan base from day one, I said, look, you know, I'm not doing this alone. You know, united we stand, divided we fall. I, you know, this is a group effort for all of us. And I said, if if we want change, if if we're truly going to debunk this stereotype that you know the sci-fi fantasy world is for the men and boys only, I said, if we're going to debunk that, then we have to do it together. And I, I ask for help. And not only did I get the help from fangirls, but I also got the help from fanboys because mm-hmm. you know they wanted you know this world to be a. a you know, a more welcoming world for, for, um, women and girls too. I mean, you know, so many of the fanboys were saying thank you because, you know, I celebrate star Wars with my, with my wife or with my sister, or with my daughter. And, um, so, you know, her universe, I, I think the secret to our success is that we were a community first. You know, I said to fans, I said, 
I don't care if you ever buy a single t-shirt from us, but I want you to come and join the conversation and feel welcomed and celebrated. And in turn, what that did is, you know, it created a sense of loyalty and fans did buy the merchandise from us because they felt that they were part of something bigger. And going back to your original statement, they felt that they were a part of a a movement and Mm -hmm. not just a merchandise line. I want to talk a little bit about your transition from, um, I know you said you were out here to do acting and be an actress, um, but you also created this, you know, huge business. And as I know as well, starting a business takes a lot of work and a lot of time and energy. And there's been a lot of times where I myself have thought, can I still do acting? Um, because sometimes motherhood in Hollywood takes over and I don't have time to go to an audition and an audition pops up and it throws a wrench in plans that I had for my business. Um, was there ever a time where you thought I have to choose between the two or were you looking for ways to integrate the two, like your acting world and your business world? Um, tell me a little bit about that. Um, well, yeah, it's definitely a constant struggle. Um, uh, but luck, um, luckily for me, I've had Star Wars and I've been so blessed to be the voice of Ahsoka and, and, and continue to be the voice of Ahsoka, you know, ever since 2008. Mm -hmm. And it's something where she's gone from Star Wars, the Clone Wars to Star Wars Rebels to Star Wars Forces of Destiny, you know, to video games and books. So I've had a constant role in entertainment, um, throughout. And I, I use that, you know, strategically, um, for the business from day one, I've, I've used my role as an actress to help promote the business. So the both, Um, both of them actually function at their best when they go together. Um, But really it it started out, um, her universe actually started out as a, um, as kind of a, a a plan B, I I guess you could say. Um, A side hustle. I believe the kids call it a side hustle today. Yeah. 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 A side hustle. A side hustle. sounds better. Um, Because I, like you said, I was a full-time actress in LA Mm -hmm. and um, my husband uh, was playing baseball and he signed a contract with the Toronto Blue Jays, which um, took me away from LA. And, you know, normally I would go back and forth, but that was quite a long trip and it wasn't is easy to go back and forth from Toronto and LA every week. And also he had some injuries. And so, um, I needed to be there with him in Toronto and, um, my agents and managers, they actually dropped me. And I, I I remember a conversation I had with my manager. She said, um, she said, you know, Ashley, you're not making any money for me. And, and therefore, you know, you're really no, no use to me. And, um, it it was a real eye opening experience. Um, but you know, I, I, I wouldn't have changed the decision. You know, my, my husband needed me and, and I wanted to be there for him. So I found myself in Toronto. Um, I found myself still as the voice of Ahsoka and I thought, what can I do from my apartment here in Toronto, I, I, as the voice of a Star Wars character. Um, and I found that I could, you know, start my own company. All I needed was a laptop and a cell phone and I could kind of do it from anywhere. And I also found, you know, as an actress, I, you know, for the longest time I was able to play kid roles. Um, you know, I was 25 playing a 16 year old (laughs) I was no longer able to play those kid roles. I was starting to, you know, kind of move into that adult category. And I'm your very average looking all American girl next door. Um, I didn't, I, I, I kind of had the body of a, of of a boy, you know, I wasn't your typical, I I mean, you know, as an actress, you have to get used to harsh criticism and, you know, I wasn't your typical hot actress. I just, I wasn't. Um, and I, I wasn't getting the roles of the hot girl and I wasn't necessarily getting the roles of like, like the awkward, uh, best friend or girl next door. And, and, um, so I found myself, I kind of took a step back and I said, you know what, I'm going to create my own destiny, really. I'm going to, mm-hmm. um, you know, create my own company. I'm going to create roles for myself. Um, and I thought, you know, if, if, if I needed, if, if the roles that I wanted didn't exist, then I would have to create them for myself. Yes, and so, preach it, uh, sister. 
that's really how it started. It came from a place of, um, you know, Hollywood kind of dropped me and I thought, okay, well then I'm going to create my own universe (laughs) and hopefully they'll come, they'll come back to me. (laughs) I, I love to hear you say that because that's something I have been sort of preaching from day one with motherhood in Hollywood is that it's, you know, Hollywood is going to be around forever and they're, you have to just sort of, um, make your own way or you get lost in the shuffle. Like I'm queen of the co-star roles. Like I will go out and I, I will book a co-star role, you know, um, that's my thing, but I cannot seem to get to that next level. And it's so frustrating for me. And you start to feel like, what am I doing? Why am I doing this? Does, should I, am I doing the right thing? I just want to perform. Um, and then I decided instead of just kind of wallowing in my own, like, you know, self insecurities and all this stuff, I was just going to create something that was an outlet for me and that I could get to know other people and, and use my interviewing skills and all of that. And, um, it's been one of the most rewarding things that I've ever done. So I love to hear you say that, that you just decided to, to follow your dream and, and, and make something of your own. I love that. Thank you. I love to hear you did that too. Cause I, <laughs> I trust me, I get it. <laughs> I fully get it. I want to talk. Um, you mentioned your husband a couple of times. Um, I want to talk about, you have a whole section about love and finding love, um, in your book. And, um, as a Disney fan, I know, you know, that there's very much a perception of finding your Prince charming, um, finding the perfect one. And I love reading that. That's exactly what you did. <laughs> Um, tell me a little bit about your baseball player, hubby. He doesn't play anymore though, right? You said, uh, no, he retired in 2010. Um, you know, was, uh, in sports, you know, your, your, your time is limited, but he was very blessed to have a great career and won two world series, one with the angels, one with the Cardinals, um, was world series MVP in 2006. And, um, you know, really, he has an amazing story himself. It's very much a underdog and kind of David versus Goliath story. Um, Are you a baseball but, fan? Um, baseball was always my favorite sport. I, I actually, I, I grew up playing baseball. I, I was the only girl on the baseball team, on the, of a team full of boys. I was the only girl. Um, you know, I love baseball. So, um, you know, definitely a uh, you know, I, I enjoy going to a baseball game. And Mm -hmm. in fact, I, I met him at the end of the 2003 season and he, um, retired at the end of the 2010 season. And I probably went to about a thousand baseball games over that span of time. (laughs) (laughs) So went to a lot of baseball games, but, um, you know, when I moved to LA, I actually, I often said, I said, um, I told all my friends, all my family, I said, I'm going to be the last to get married. I am not looking for a guy. (laughs) I'm going to, you know, I don't need a guy. I'm going to do this on my own. And I was just not interested. And, um, my mom always said, you know, she said, Ashley, you know, when you meet the one, you'll just know. And, um, sure enough, I met my husband, David, and, um, you know, I tell the story of how we met the book and, um, I just knew. And and, in turn, I was the first of my friends to get married. (laughs) (laughs) It was the opposite. But, um, you know, I, you know, I I talk about the lessons he taught me and, and, you know, going back to acting, I think, especially in entertainment, you're, you're often, it's, it's, you're often to just focus on yourself so much Mm -hmm. and your own career and, and your, your own kind of, um, roles. And it's all about you. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, I, I think it it can be very self-indulgent. And what my husband taught me at times was, was to look outside of myself and, you know, um, to put others first and to put other things first. And, um, and, and then I feel like that's when I truly found, myself. That's when I truly was able to make my dreams come true. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm, we make a great team. I mean, uh, I was going into year two of her universe, which is a make it or break it time for the business. Um, and that's when he retired from baseball and, um, you know, he wasn't day to day on the business, but he was, he helped me. I mean, those kind of, um, 
the first two years after he retired, year three and year four of the business, I couldn't have done it without my husband's help and support. Um, you know, he uh, he was there for me, you know, for the big meetings when, you know, he helped me close the big deals. And and like I said, he, he didn't do it for me. You know, he wasn't there day to day, but, you know, he, he was came a support for you, it sounds like. He was the support for me. You know, he's my best friend. He's my confidant. He's, you know, he's who the person I trust more than anything. And um, I couldn't have done it without him. So, you know, I definitely found my Prince Charming <laughs> in the book. You know, I hope I hope fans will read it. There's definitely we definitely had kind of like our own kind of fairy tale story. How it happened was just crazy. It involves a publicist and a setup and, you know, a date at a movie premiere. And, um, it, it definitely sounds a little bit like a Disney movie and we didn't try for it at all. Um, but uh, you know, I, I, I just, I'm, I'm so grateful for him. I love in the book also that you, you, like I said earlier, you sprinkle it with little quotes, um, from Disney movies, but you also have a lot of, um, calls to action, in the book where you where you invite people or encourage people to, you know, lay out some goals, like what are you doing today to, you know, um, make your dreams come true and get an action plan uh, together and that sort of thing. Um, it, tell me a little bit about the, the process and the writing of this book. Was that something intentional you wanted to do? And, and how did it sort of come about? Yeah, um, I, I wanted the book to be interactive. Um, I wanted the book to be um, like a guide or a journal um, because actually how the book even came about with Disney, um, I had worked with Disney uh, on, I did the audio book for the Ahsoka book uh, for my character and um, I helped promote it. And um, after a successful book tour for that, um, I, I was meeting with the Disney book group and just kind of brainstorming on some other things we could do together for the fangirl audience. And, um, you know, they did ask me about, you know, if I would write like my autobiography and, you know, I told them, I said that, that I didn't feel that I had lived enough of a life for a memoir or an autobiography. I said, but what I would write is more of an advice book because I feel like, I mean, I'm not even talking to, I, I wouldn't even be talking to you today if it weren't for Disney. Like Disney, as I mentioned, is in my DNA. Disney inspired me. Disney taught me to dream it and do it. And and Disney Disney taught me to believe that I could. And, and also, you know, Star Wars and Ahsoka Tano, none of this would be possible without Disney and Star Wars. So I said, I, I would tell my story, but more as like a guidebook on how to dream it and do it. And so they, they surprisingly said yes. So that's how I outlined the book. And, and I break kind of making your dreams come true down into steps. And it starts with a dream, then a wish, then you believe, then you do, then you transform, and then you trust. And um, I, I'm, I'm not... I'm not very good. I say this in the book. I'm not very good at writing in a diary every day, but I have a ton of journals and I write down in those journals all the time. I write down to-do lists and, and quotes and, um, sketches and dreams. And, and so I wanted my book to be, um, uh, just that I wanted it to be kind of like, like one of my journals. Um, and so it's, it's, you know, it's interactive. There's prompts. You know, I ask um, the reader to make lists, um, all sorts of lists and write down quotes and, um, you know, plans. And so my, my, my dream for this book is that by the, by the, when the reader finishes the book, that they now have a roadmap on how to make their dreams come true. I, I, I feel like if I can pay it forward, if I can give to the reader what Disney gave to me, then, then my dream will, will come, will come true. You are such a, a beacon of positivity. Um, oh. hearing you talk at, at the social media mom conference, and, you know, even just talking with you right now, it's so inspiring. And I just wonder, do you ever have a bad day? <laughs> what Do you have those moments where you're just want to like swear like crazy and drink a bunt? No. <laughs> like, do you have a bad day? <laughs> oh, yes, I have. I have those days. Um, and, and in fact, I, 
I, I write about it uh, in the book. I, I say, throw yourself a pity party. Um, I love tea parties. And actually, when I feel like I want to escape from the world, I um, throw a tea party for myself. Um, but I talk about throwing a pity party. And it's where, you know, it's okay to, to you know, take a break and, and you know, kind of wallow in your pity <laughs> or have a dance party. Um, and so that's where, um, you know, you take a break and you, you, for me, I, I talk about eating cupcakes and, um, a weird little peanut butter and jelly sandwich with Cheetos on it. Yes. Um, um <laughs> are we the same person? I do that all the time. No way. Yes. I actually, my husband is like, are you dipping your peanut butter and jelly sandwich into your Cheetos? And I'm like, yes. Is that weird? <laughs> It's the best combo ever. I know. It is. And I try to explain it to people and they think I'm nuts. And I'm like, no, no, it's delicious. Yes. Yes. Uh, <laughs> That's no, so funny. I've I, never heard anybody else do that. Neither have I. Neither <laughs> have I. I think we're like cut from the same cloth. We are. That's so funny. <laughs> so, um, so yes, bad days do happen. And uh, everyone has bad days. But I think it's just allowing yourself to have that moment to wallow in your pity and then snapping out of it and saying, you know what, um, you know, sprinkle a little pixie dust, um, uh, believe in that Disney magic again and just keep going. I love it. Well, um, I want to remind everybody really quickly that um, it's your universe comes out on May 8th. And I want to read a quote really quick. My favorite quote that's in the book is every once in a while, there's a day when I don't have to be a princess, no lessons, no expectations, a day where anything can happen a day. I can change my fate. And that is from Merida in brave from brave. And I just love that. I love the idea of we don't have to be princesses. We don't have to be learning something. We don't have to be, um, you know, anything can happen. The day can change on a, on a dime. And it's such a lovely, hopeful, um, idea to think about. And I, I love your book. I think it's very inspirational. I think, um, everybody who reads it is going to enjoy it. I have the, I have the advanced proof coffee that we copy that we got from the Disney social media mom, but I'm going to go out and I'm going to get another copy too. And I'm going to share it with one of my listeners. So yay, everybody gets one. Oh, not everybody gets one. One person will get one. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much. I'm actually asking people to, um, be dream warriors with me. I, um, I, I, I feel like especially younger readers, um, and younger fans, um, you know, this is a time where, you know, there's so much negativity going on in the world that, mm-hmm. um, we need to be extra positive and, you know, help spread the word that your dreams can come true and that you can dream it and do it and that anything is possible. And so I'm asking people to be dream warriors with me. And that's somebody who fiercely goes out there and makes dreams come true and spreads the word. So, um, Heather, thank you so much for being a dream warrior with me because I, I feel like, you know, I can just tell we're cut from the same cloth and <laughs> spreading have. the same message. <laughs> I love that. Well, I'm happy to do it. And just a reminder to everybody, I'm going to put up information up on motherhoodandhollywood.com where you can find It's Your Universe, as well as links to Ashley and her universe and um, all of the fab. I was just looking through your uh, Marvel Avengers line that's coming out and I'm like, what do I want to buy? Um, <laughs> I will put all of that up on my website. Ashley, I know you're crazy busy right now promoting your book, but I really appreciate you taking the time to talk with me. Oh gosh. Thank you for taking the time and, and for listening. And, um, I hope we can meet some time to have a pity party over uh, peanut butter. I Sam- would love that. Oh. <laughs> I would love that. I would love it. Um, all right, you guys, that's going to do it for this episode of motherhood in Hollywood. Have a wonderful week. And remember, I'm not a perfect mom, but I can play one on TV. Bye. Balls.